I'll get to introducing our panelists today. Uh, the first one I'll introduce is Joseph Carrillo. Um, Joseph is a composer and orchestrator working in Los Angeles. Uh, his recent projects include the original score for the true crime mockumentary, Horror in the High Desert, orchestration for both Netflix's sports documentary series, Untold, and the Oscar-nominated score, Minari. Uh, upcoming projects include Sanctuary Songs, featuring cello soloist David Mergen, a compilation of art film music from recent museum exhibitions in the LA area, and an electro-industrial song about vampires. We should definitely talk about that. <laughs> is, is that is that your that is that a song that you're going to be like singing on? Or are you performing the song yourself? Unfortunately for everyone, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I say the same thing about songs that I'm singing. So yes, I, I, I the feeling. Uh, so why don't we let, let's get to our next guest, uh, Emer Kinsella, uh, and uh, she is a violinist and composer, and much much more. Uh, known for creating poignant soundscapes, Emer has been involved in critically acclaimed films, television series, and live performances. Having played violin since the age of two, her scores combine introspective strings with electronic sounds and ambient vocals. In 2021, she won Best Score for In Orbit at the Venice Shorts Festival and the Bucharest Shortcut Cinefest Festival, and was the first recipient of the CSAC slash New Music USA Real Change Grant Award to create her score to the psychological feature thriller She the Creator. Uh, hopefully you actually got to go to Bucharest, Romania, although I guess during this period of time, you know, I guess that's not that's not a guarantee. Hi. Um, no, I didn't get to go, actually, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. But, yeah. A lot of us haven't got the opportunity to to go places, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you know, getting back to Europe, that's one of the things that uh, is definitely on my list when traveling. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Sometimes soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And with that, last but not least, I'll introduce Joy Niao, uh, who is a Chinese-Malaysian film composer based in Los Angeles. Most recently, she composed for Apple Original Films and Skydance's debut animation, Blush, directed by Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Joe Mateo and executive produced by John Lasseter. Other recent scores include Walt Disney Animation Studios' short films, Jing Hua, a VR animated short, A Kite's Tale, and Netflix's feature film, June and Kopi. Uh, Joy's score to film to the film Fish Head was awarded Best Original Score at Asians on Film Festival 2020. She's also contributed to a wide variety of critically acclaimed works, including TV shows Legion, Cobra Kai, The Night of, Impractical Jokers, The Movie, On the Twelfth Date of Christmas, and video game What Remains of Edith Finch. Edith Finch. Hi, Joy. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. No. Thank. Thank you so much, uh, all of you, for being here. Um, so uh, you're all professional film and TV composers. And uh, I think, uh, why don't we start in terms of um, the questions that we'll discuss, uh, how you would go about getting into doing this? Because there's a lot of people who want to do this and a lot of people for whom the, the route to getting into composing for you know, TV and film and other media and so forth uh, is not necessarily clear. Um, I know that some people, you know, they work as assistants, uh, at least, you know, starting out their career when they come out of conservatory or university or whatever, um, for a composer who's working on big, big, big budget projects. But there are some people who are like independent film artists who get into composing for larger projects and they just sort and so it, it seems like it's kind of an organic process that differs on a case by case basis. But, but what, would, what would you say about that, like for people who want to get into composing for this type of media? Um, um, I, I guess they, I, what do you think about that? Oh, oh, go, go ahead, Joy. I guess I'm start. I, like you said, I think it's a very organic process. Like everyone has different paths. Mm -hmm. um, there's no one way for sure. Um, how I started was I started as an assistant for mm -hmm. TV composer Jeff Russo and then mm -hmm. a documentary composer Joe Goodman. So while being assistant, um, you know, it's, it's so great to learn from different teams and how the different compos uh, professional composers, you know, what their workflow is. and. From there, I kind of picked up like things that will work for me. And while I was assisting, I was also uh, doing my own freelancing as well, because that's my main goal. I want to be my own composer. So that was my path. And um, a lot of fellow composers that I've spoken to, they all have different, you know, how they got into the business different. But ultimately, it's just to keep working on your craft, keep meeting people and try different collaborations. Um, yeah, at least that's how I about yeah, yeah I, th I think everyone comes into it differently i came into it first as a violinist playing violin my whole life um from the age of two years old and then suddenly caught the composition bug 
and uh, started composing myself and then applied for masters at Columbia College Chicago and then things kind of continued from there and I moved to LA. Um, also did some assisting um, first, first for uh, as an arranger for Johnny Climac and then um, continued a lot of doing my own projects quite early on and just getting into film world and meeting directors. Um, so I think really just then meeting people and getting getting your own projects, a mixture of also meeting through collaborations with other composers, kind of build on that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you, I I actually started um, writing music for theatrical productions, and I was kind of doing some incidental music because back a hundred years ago when I was in school, uh, the uh, there really wasn't a, a film program at the college that I went to. Um, there really wasn't much happening in film other than the USC or New York, uh, really anywhere at that time. So, um, so that was kind of the way in, but I mean, like a lot of that was also about like understanding dramatic arcs. And so all of that experience was really valuable. Uh, just, you know, getting that experience for writing for a story and using music to, to reinforce the emotion and tell the story. And, but writing music for, for theater is much more tricky than writing music for film. So, so for live theater. Yes. Yeah. I, I have no idea what that's like. I, I have no experience doing that. Uh, <laughs> what, what are the, what are the differences between that and, you know, the recorded media format? Well, I mean, with recorded media, I mean, you you have a specific timeline in which to yeah, uh, yeah. to aim for, and you know, in live theater, sometimes people will pause a little bit longer than they did the night before, and then the music runs out, and then you're like, "Get off the yeah, stage! Get yeah. off the stage!" <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, I, I've been amazed by the musical theater productions I've seen in the smaller, like 99 seat theaters in LA. Uh, where the actors, they now have to work with a recording. And so they need to make sure that they're spot on because of course they, they can't miss their cue to come in with a vocal or it's gonna sound ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and oh, by the way, there's a question about uh, whether you should put your questions in the chat. Yes, please do. And, and then uh, we'll we'll make our best effort to answer that. Um, why don't we, uh, so, we, so now we, we've talked a little bit about the route in terms of getting into doing this. And as you can see, there's a lot of very different uh, responses, a lot of very different paths. And it's not like a, uh, not necessarily like a, a you know formal job interview process where you send lots of resumes out and so forth. It's really about uh, meeting people and uh, maybe maybe there's some, there's some luck involved, but I think knowing a lot of people um, and just keeping in touch with them about the projects that they might be involved in and, and asking questions about them, just being curious about it. I mean, that's my sense of the best way to, to, get, to get gigs, um, even if it's not 100% clear how there, there's no like formal process for doing it. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the composing process? Uh, so obviously this, uh, you, you get a cut of the film or of the TV episode or whatever it is uh, that you're working on uh, at some point. And obviously you want to get a sense of what the director would like you to do with it from a musical perspective. Um, how do you go about communicating with the director about the sound they want for the film? I mean, there are sort of the mechanics of it. Maybe you'll have like a spotting session where you meet with the director and you both watch. Um, for, I mean, for example, for me, I usually say, look, if you have a specific piece of music that you want me to to imitate, right? Feel free to send that to me. You know, send me a YouTube link or something like that. If you want me to sound like this piece, I'm not going to feel too boxed in by that. Instead, it's actually going to make the process easier. Um, but, but what would you say about you know communicating with the director about the type of sound that they want for the film? Um, I guess I can start again. Um, yeah. The for me, the the story always comes first. Um, and the meeting, that's why the meet and greet with the director is um, absolutely the most important part of the process, I feel. Um, like the recent film I've done, Blush by uh, Skydance, Joe, uh, when I met with Joe Mateo, he, you know, we talked about why he wants to make the film and what is his message he wants the audience to feel. It's, and it was a personal story about his wife, um, his, um, his wife who was who unfortunately passed away because of cancer. So as we were talking about the story, I started to envision what is something that I can help um, translate that message of um, how family is just like our heir. 
So with those um, thematic in mind, I start to incorporate some like uh, breath sound effects or anything that um, showcases like wind instruments or like something that's like an air kind of element. And that wouldn't have gave me that idea until I had that conversation with him. So for me, like having, um, getting to the core of why the director wants to tell that story and how music can help, it, it certainly is such a collaborative process and it, it just takes the composition and the story to a next level, I feel. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of what I think is the most valuable in writing yeah. a collaboration. Um, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the conversation I find is the most important for the director to really find out what what they're looking for for the story um, emotionally and conceptually. So I love to like start with asking them about conceptual words and taking that and kind of pulling apart with where I'm going to go with the music. Um, like, uh, yeah, the la like this narrative feature that I finished recently, She the Creator uh, with, with uh, Eddie Wall. Uh, there was a scene, even when, when you get further into specific scenes, like there's their overall vibe, and then it might be a specific scene where you're both trying to figure out, okay, what does this really need? And uh, she gave me some examples for this specific scene. And I took it based off of what, what she, what's she trying to really say with the scene, and then just kind of go into my own, own world and create new sounds. And, and then I use my violin viola as well sometimes um, to mix up the sounds and, and try try new textures. Uh, but for this one, there's a specific, I got this like kind of like a puppet vibe from the character that she's she's now just kind of like like a, a puppet and it, the music needs to be very like rigid and almost like uh, like a puppet. So I kind of worked off that and made sure that like anywhere I went that I had the music stayed within this 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 line. Um, and and then, yeah, that was probably the most difficult scene of, of the whole film, but uh, then Feel like I cracked it, and and then we watched it again. She's like, "Okay, yes, that's the direction I'm going." So I'll go like as deep as I can into the conversation, back and forth, to make sure I'm really going the right direction. Yeah. So you you started out with a cue that the, the director said, "Yeah, this really expresses the puppet-like nature of the character," and then that became your jumping-off point for the rest of the score. Um, yeah. Well, I thought about the puppet. So most of most of the film, there there was. There was no temp or anything, so I just mm. created my own sounds and and worked with the director on the conversations we had. Uh, this one, she had a specific idea in mind. So, what I, I was, I kind of just investigated from what from that idea was was what really she wanted out of it, um, and then I just got a, discovered it was kind of this puppet feeling. So mm. she didn't actually say puppet, but through the conversations, that's kind of what I like. I distilled it down to. Um, and and then I wrote music that was kind of like puppet-like in nature. Yeah. And uh, Emer mentioned the temp track. That's a track that the editor is editing, a track of music that the editor is editing, editing along with before the composer does their work. Uh, and sometimes the director can become really wedded to the temp track as, as everybody who's on this call knows and want <laughs> what the composer does to sound like the temp track, which can be, you know, then that can box you in a little bit. Although it, may, it can also provide some guidance uh, if, if you're, Trying to find some kind of meeting of the minds, in my experience, uh, what, what do you what do you think about this issue, uh, Joseph? As far as um, uh, as far as the most effective way to communicate with the director regarding the vibe that they want the music to have, I really like actually having having temp tracks. Uh, I, I don't mind having a, a temp uh, at all to work from. Um, a temp love is the thing that scares me, but <laughs> when they fall in love with the temp. But having the track, like that's such a great way to to communicate with with the director back and forth. And sometimes we'll just sit and listen to music that either has something to do with the film or or doesn't have anything to do with the film. It's just stuff that the director enjoys. And sometimes it's it's about just figuring out what their aesthetic is and and the things that that really inspire them. Because a lot of times, you know, people uh when they're when they're creating work they have something in mind and and i imagine that a director has like sort of a a general piece of music or like a an emotional direction you know just as they're they're 
they're communicating to the actors to to move in a certain direction you know they want the music to move in a certain direction and the, and the emotion to flow that way as well and so i feel like all of that is very useful in terms of being able to communicate yeah yeah that is similar to what joy was saying before about how you want to get a sense of the emotional space that the director is coming from it feels like the most important thing um, yeah, and I think that is the most important aspect. I mean, there's there's the nuts and bolts aspects of the sort of the spotting session, like I want the cue to begin here at this particular time code and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. A cue meaning a discrete piece of music, by the way, for anyone who isn't, isn't familiar with the terminology <laughs> that we're using. Um, but the sort of the overall um, emotion and the motivation behind the director wanting to do this this movie, uh, yeah, I, I think that probably is the most important thing for me too. And we have a couple of questions here. Why don't we, uh, why don't we go to one of them? Um, this is from Consuelo Civoletto, um, Civoletto Corday. Um, what are good sound libraries to use? Oh, <laughs> here we, we've got another gear nerd. I'm sure that we all have uh, E.g. Vienna, East, West, etc. What do you, are there, are there sound libraries that you, you all would swear by? I say none honestly, of them. <laughs> yeah. well, well, honestly, I feel that um, it really depends on the composer, Chris, and, and have, in, in my experience, like having a lot of sound libraries versus being very familiar with the sound library that you have. I think that's more important to be, to, because um, like there, some libraries that I would work with a lot, like some string library that from Sysfire that I would use all the time. And I'm really familiar with how it works, but it may not work for another composer. So I think it's more important to really um, be familiar with your gear and, and your, the software. I think that's, yeah, more important than having a lot or specific, you know, yeah. uh, brands. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think it depends on the, the palette that you need for yeah. whatever yeah. film or show you're working on um, and how whatever your voice gravitates towards working with, if there's a particular mm -hmm. sound library, yeah, you've already listed a few um, that you've tried and you know well, then, um, you know, you still might want to bring that to another level by recording live strings at the end. Um, I always go to my violin viola first or uh cello um but uh that i yeah i'm more into kind of creating the soundscape first or uh i mean i love output stuff for synths so um a lot of uh of their stuff i use mm -hmm. and um yeah i think it's just for sound libraries it's trying you know this they're all out there so just trying them and getting getting good at them depending depending on what you need them for <laughs> I think it's definitely like a, a, I mean, in some ways using sample libraries like that are, are kind of like our instruments. So just, yeah, as, as Joy said, and, and uh, being familiar with how you can use it to the best of your ability, I think is, is probably the most important thing to look into. Uh, but I mean, just like a DAW, you know, whichever, you know, digital audio workstation software you're using is, you know, if you're using Logic or Cubase or Digital Performer or whatever, then it's it's mostly, I mean, a lot of them are very similar in terms of the way that they operate. And it's all about how, how familiar you are with it and, you know, how you can best use it to, to to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Consuelo, I, I, as for your question, you talked about Vienna and East West. I mean, they make a lot of different types of sound libraries, whether they, you know, are orchestral instruments or they're more electronic synthy sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, and, and, and so, you know, uh, but within those, you'll see a large number of different sound libraries that it's just really important to kind of try on a case by case basis and, and see if they work for you. But like Joy was saying, I think that just being really familiar with the sound library, like like East West, you know, Hollywood strings, for instance, that feels like that's kind of a lifetime to master that. Um, yeah. Uh, just because, I mean, in terms of how to uh, make, how, essentially how to make the MIDI that you enter sound like real strings, which is, you know, a perennial sort of challenge in, in creating the mock-up or the, um, the, uh, th that, in other words, before you record real instruments, we create usually uh, in, in on these uh, TV and film projects and so forth. We create what's known as a mock-up, which is supposed to give the director a sense of what 
uh, the score will sound like before any live instruments are actually recorded. And hopefully the budget allows for the recording of live instruments and I, we get to work with people like Emer uh, on the violin, who I, I was fortunate enough to be able to work with on, on a project. Yeah, um, Yeah. And which is going to be um, there that that's uh, going to be uh, announced soon. The, 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 the film festival uh, run of that is going to start pretty soon. So uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to see that and see, see your handiwork in action. Uh, why don't we go to the next question we have here uh, from Alexander Bernstein. Um, one of your best, well, yeah, I think, I think we covered that to some degree, but um, notes are a good subject because inevitably when you send you know, a music cue to the director, you're probably going to get some notes. You're going to get their their comments on what they think could be done, you know, differently or better. What kind of notes do you like to hear, and what do you want the director to understand? Presumably, that means in in the conversation about how to interpret the notes. Yeah, I um, I love notes. Actually, I I get a lot. Of, I think you can learn a lot just from just from working with your director. Um, if if the version one is 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 there's something in the version one that's not working by like version two like i usually after a co conversation with the director i'll like absorb like more like really the full meaning of of what you know maybe what we talked about first was was half there and then even the director understands it more after hearing the version one by version two it's 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 usually like i usually have it like like more spot on um just from kind of absorbing what we talk about and then i'm Especially as we get through more and more more cues throughout the film, um, then I like after notes from the director. Then at one point it's just like, okay, I get what you mean now. Like now, <laughs> like we're on, the, yeah, definitely on the same train. But um, uh, yeah, really, if I think if you're working on a cue for a while, sometimes and if it doesn't seem to be working, just having like a quick conversation with the director can just clarify everything just for both of you um and can make just finishing that cue much much easier like oh okay i got it yeah now it just makes sense or um i think um from getting notes through emails i mean often that might be the only way you get it for a while but i do think the actual conversation talking even over zoom will yeah. just is just so much more beneficial because you'll just kind of get the vibe much more of what what the director really wants there um and it, it can be much faster faster as well um to I understand think i think it's easier to isolate like it within a queue like when you're talking live that that figuring out like what is working and what isn't like is it is it like a high frequency is it a you know a drum or something that's going in the background like you you get that face to face and you get to to actually i, I think it's a much easier i totally agree yeah. yeah, sometimes they're like, that sound kind of, be, be, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> okay, you know, they, they can't really say that in an email, yeah. And I also really like to encourage the directors to kind of talk in emotions as well, because sometimes the director will say, oh, sorry, I don't know the musical term to how to describe this. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, what yeah. do you feel? Like, how does, what does this sound make you feel? Is it too um, shrill? Does it make you feel a bit too... Um, anxious, like we start describing it using words and emotions. And I think that's how I like to get the conversation going because ultimately it's up to us to interpret the notes from the director and translate that into score. Um, and a huge part of, of course, storytelling is just conversations like what, you know, we all have been talking about. So um, yeah. it's the best part, honestly, of this job. It's not just music, but you're also talking about the story. Right. Collaborate. Get into collaborate. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. It's really about just understanding the story and, and what you're telling at any moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I've ever worked with a director who has a musical background. Uh, it's always been someone who will tell me, "Could we have more of a whoosh here or a boom there?" And uh, yeah, like you were saying, Joy. I mean, that's that's part of the fun of it is trying to translate what they're saying into music. Yeah, uh, and from their point of view, and, and then it's gratifying. But from their point of view, it seems like you're kind of doing magic. Like, oh, you created the whoosh. I, <laughs> I didn't even know how to express that, and I was I wasn't talking in terms of modulation or time or anything like that. Isn't it such a fun process? Because I almost feel like that their stories influence how we write. So it's it is such a collaborative process, and it's it's so fun. It's like we're helping them, but they're also helping us in the same time, and that's like mm -hmm. super gratifying experience. I think. 
yeah, it's, it's it's great to see where your your music can develop just after after working on a film. Like maybe a cue I might have done it. I thought, okay, that's that's that might work. Um, but then after the director, they actually like you have the conversation. It elevates it to to another level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of that, I mean, we were talking a little bit about uh, Emer about the first. Uh, you you sent this sort of first cue to the director, and that ended up being the springboard for the rest of the score. Um, and that's that's usually what I like to do too. I know that there are some composers who start by sending sort of a mock-up of a recurring theme in the film or or a sketch, I guess it's sometimes called, um, as opposed to a cue for a specific scene. Like I know uh, I was watching a video where Junkie XL is talking about that like the importance of starting out with a theme as opposed to a particular cue. But I like to dive right in and just work on the first cue from the beginning and, you know, uh, hope that that will set the tone. Uh, what, what, what do you, what's, what's the first thing that you all sort of send the director um, to get a sense of whether you're on the right track, essentially? Um, yeah, I think that one, it, it depends from film to film. Um, that one was, yeah, I think I started with the opening first and got the vibe for that. and. Hmm the puppet scene was a bit later um but um yeah i've done it both from like a script level where we've talked about conceptual words and i've written like a, a whole kind of sweet piece um often it'll be like i'll just jump into a, a queue and like look at multiple scenes and and start with uh whichever queue i think might might bring um more ideas to to get things started uh but i like i do like having both the option to at the beginning just just think about the story and try ideas without looking to picture but if i already have the picture then maybe having looked at it first and and then thinking about uh, a specific scene or specific um concept that's happening in the film but i also enjoy going from just having a talk about the script and saying, okay, can you write something in this in this vein, which doesn't happen as often, but um, yeah, like a piece that comes out of that can can work just as well um, later, whether it's cut up or in a specific in a specific cue later. Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like establishing like a character theme and a sound palette in the beginning definitely helps because then. Um, once you we decided on the direction, they're like, oh, this I think this is the sound of what we want this film to sound like. Um, it from there we can always you know there's character development, there's theme variations, and um, it will be much more smooth sailing from there. So I, I love to submit something beforehand uh, before the actual scoring begins to see if we're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I uh, did. A couple of films ago, the first thing that I sent to the director was actually the the audition for the film, and he sent me a short scene. It was about two minutes or so, and you know, so I had scored that and sent it back, and he was just like, "Yes, <laughs> I want you to score this film," and uh, sent me the rest of it. But like, it within that, you know, I I basically approached that process like I, you know, like I was setting it up to score the entire movie. Um, and, uh, so it had like that, the sound palette that I used and, and all the same instruments. And I just, you know, most of that cue ended up in the final film just sort of as is. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a lucky thing that happened, but we just immediately started talking and were just instantly on the same page. But a lot of that came from, you know, that, that initial, uh, that initial bit of sound that I had sent him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. No, you, you were about to say something? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, um, yeah, I was just finishing a documentary where at the beginning um, I sent a few ideas first that um, the director then listened to and said, this this one is is really what, what the film's about. Um, yeah. so, but, uh, that that only worked for certain cues, but then I knew at least I had this theme for for those specific cues, and then could work around that. Yeah, yeah, and just so that everyone understands what we're talking about when we talk about a sound palette. I mean, that could mean the specific types of instruments. Um, it could also mean the sort of set of effects, sort of the, the sound design of the piece, um, and you know, and just so it could mean uh, it, it. It's essentially. Um, 
the the if there is there can be themes there can be melodies that recur throughout the film or the tv uh, show and so forth but also we want to establish a distinct sound like joy was talking about the use of wind instruments uh for the film that she did most recently um and how that followed from the conversation with the director uh and that yeah that that seems like a very distinct sort of sound palette choice there um Getting to uh, getting to another audience question here, um, what would you advise a newcomer who doesn't live in a big city to start from? I guess to start from uh, in terms of composing for media, e.g., approach music supervisors directly. Um, well, I mean, yeah, from my point of view, since so much of the world is online now, uh, I, that to some extent offers more opportunities for people who aren't necessarily in LA and New York. Um, but w what would you all say about about that question? Uh, for me, how I started when I first started to find my own projects was to I moved to LA first and then I went to film festivals in person pre COVID, you know, and it's yeah. like such a great way to meet people because during those film festivals, like you see a range of like 10, 20 short films and everyone has had their own story to tell in different perspectives. And that's where I formed a lot of the connections there, you know, being curious, like what Chris said in the beginning, like um, getting interested in someone's story from a genuine place. And then you start a conversation from there. And that's how I usually find the most authentic collaborations, I feel. Um, that's, yeah, it's, it's a bit harder in the beginning because if you don't know anybody, but it, like Chris said, like there's so many virtual events online now, like showing up to panels like this or, there are a bunch of um, online networking things that you can attend to. And that's, it always starts from forming a connection, I think. Well, uh, do you, do you uh, Joseph and, and Emer, do you have any comments on that? Um, yeah, yeah. I also went to start going to, by going to film festivals. I think uh, online, there's a, there's a lot of research you can do if there's something you hear in a film you watch or you see the credits, uh, maybe doing research, finding out, making general, genuine connections to maybe people, music you've heard that you like or, or people you've maybe seen um, part as, a, as part of a project and just reaching out maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, there are the two different ways, either in person, which, which I find I've, I've met more, more people by just in person, but you can also be very savvy online, just finding out who's doing what and who's part of part of what connect, organization or connection, and maybe seeing if you have a connection with someone else by like 10, 10 feet apart, um, and then reaching out to someone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, music supervisors probably probably a good idea. I actually have, haven't really done that. <laughs> I've sent out a lot of cold emails, a lot, <laughs> and, uh, you know, varying, you know, mileage varies greatly uh, from from place to place. And a lot of people just, they don't have time for, for that. And, <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, I think a lot of it is just also finding people that you, that you connect with in terms of not just the the desire to work together but also just your point of view your community you know those sorts of things i yeah. think are important yeah 100 percent agree it's a genuine human connection i think that's always it stems from that rather mm -hmm. than, and i feel that people can feel too like whether you're trying to get something from someone or is it a very organic encounter um yeah. and those are the most fruitful collaborations, I think, yeah. starts from there. One of my first yeah. conversations with uh, this director that I, I started working with frequently, I think the first time we talked was we maybe spent about five minutes talking about the film and then talked for about two hours about everything else in our lives. We had so many connections and it just, you know, so many common interests and, you know, it was like okay this is this is going to be a very good collaboration i can tell yeah yeah forging the sort of long-term relationships uh, you know if you can work on multiple projects with a particular director uh, that you have a real sort of connection with i think that that's that's gold i mean that then you've struck gold if you can do that um 
as opposed to constantly needing to be you know fishing for leads and so forth of course we probably all need to do that to some degree uh but uh yeah no i mean so that that's that's a very good question um so uh, usually we have to complete our projects on strict deadlines, uh, <laughs> or at least, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, that's certainly my experience. And I think that's the experience of a lot of other composers out there. Um, and I did want to, I, I wanted to ask about what you all do when you're sort of in this crunch period and you need to come up with an idea, right? There need to be a certain number of cues completed by a certain date, right? Um, what do you do to maintain your sort of creative flow? Uh, in that kind of situation? I feel that, at least for me, I, I love having a routine. Um, having a routine is so important. And as much as, you know, deadlines come, I always make sure that I reserve some time for, to center myself. So for me, it's like I wake up at 5 a.m. It's like, that's a strict routine. And from 5 to 6 is my time. I can um, center myself, do some meditation, journaling, whatever. And having that start of the day, despite having crazy deadlines, I think it's such a solid foundation for me. Because if I don't have that, I feel like I can't tackle on the day. And it, I'm sure it differs for everybody. But um, I like to keep it balanced, I think. Um, and when, And I feel the most productive if I'm balanced, if I feel balanced. Yeah. I don't know, is it the same for you guys? Yeah, um, definitely you can do, you know, sport in your day as well and hiking or go to the beach, but it's difficult when you have deadlines and then you're like, well, I can't do anything else with this because, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, if you can get up at 5 a.m., that probably really helps. <laughs> I tend to stay up just really late. Um, but um, yeah, just organization, knowing what's the focus of, of your day, like these specific cues or using a spreadsheet where you just tell yourself, I'm going to get five minutes of this done today. Um, but sometimes, sometimes you just won't be, you might not be working out that specific day. And then sometimes it's better to just sleep on that cue or do something else. Um, so it's kind of a juggling game of, what's working what's not and it's probably different for every every person but i would definitely say about balance is, is is probably key to just being able to maintain maintain this over time so finding out what's balanced to you yeah important yeah not spending all of your time in the studio <laughs> <laughs> trying not to you can help it yeah yeah i think a lot of it is also just it's it's having having a routine and and being organized and knowing what you're also capable of of delivering. If you know that you can turn around, you know, two to four minutes of music in a couple of days in a certain amount of time, then you can be realistic with yourself as to like what you're what you're able to do. But if someone needs something at like kind of an unrealistic deadline, then you need to be able to to communicate that honestly. Um, and I think that's, you know, some of that is, is also just doing a lot of work, being in the studio, you know, and, and just knowing what you can do, but, but you can, if you have things like, uh, uh, MIDI and, and mixing templates built up in your, in your DAW of choice, um, then that also helps you be able to work faster. And, and a, a lot of it is just about self-awareness, what you can, what you know that you can accomplish and what you can deliver and being honest about that. And just for the benefit of the audience, DAW means digital audio workstation. So something like Pro Tools or Cubase or Logic and, and so forth, there, there's just a ton of them out there. Uh, but the software where you do your, your music composing and, and, and recording. Um, we have a question from Jay-Z. How do you financially support yourself when you first get started? Uh, do you feel awkward to ask to be paid if you were scoring for a friend? Uh, what do you all think about this one? Because ultimately it is a business that we're in that we do want to get paid for, right? Um, I think that in terms of, for, from my experience, in terms of scoring for a friend, that was how I got started uh, composing for uh, film and, and, and media such as that. Um, I was more involved in doing pop style projects. And then my friend saw a music video that I had done for a pop song and said, hey, do you want to score my short film? <laughs> they did not realizing that that's a completely different animal. 
you know, from working <laughs> on pop music. But I said, oh, sure. Yeah, okay, <laughs> no problem. Uh, and that's how I really uh, fell in love with doing it. But for those those early projects for Brandon, I, I, I didn't feel like I could charge him money uh, to do that. Uh, I didn't feel like I could start doing that until I had done a few of those, you know, sort of favor type of things. Uh, so that, that's my experience with, with scoring for a friend. Um, my sense is, I mean, and hopefully, you know, you have some kind of um, composing adjacent thing you can do for moments when you're not necessarily composing, like Emer's obviously, you know, he, a great violinist. Um, and can work with composers uh, if she's not personally composing things herself. Uh, and uh, I, I think I think you uh, you also do that too, Joseph. You also do some sound uh, or, or did in the past. Yeah, I, I for a while I was doing a little bit of performing and uh, some sound work, like actual like sound effects editing and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. um, uh, for a while, I just I had a day job and I was just sort of scoring on weekends and nights and whenever time would allow. But, you know, it was kind of the same like when you're first starting out. It's it's difficult to charge. It's difficult to figure out what to charge and how. Um, but I think, again, a lot of it is also just being aware of what what your financial requirements are and understanding you know, what you need to be able to survive and, you know, again, what you're capable of, of delivering. And it depends on the nature of the film too and like how much music, you know, if it's a short film, obviously it's gonna be a lot different than, you know, a feature or something. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things that where it, it really varies depending on your individual circumstances. Um, but I like I like doing something that keeps you close to music um, even even if we are not writing yourself like that, that would be you know my, my sense of that. Um, from my yeah, point of I, I agree with you, Chris. Like um, like for, it's definitely tough when you're starting out. You know, not gonna lie. Um, but how I was able to support myself was to be an assistant to composers, and like what Chris said, it's still beneficial to learn um, to be close to do something that's close to music if you have the opportunity to. But it, yeah. it is tough. <laughs> beginning yeah um and since we're talking about the business side i mean when people do start getting paid then often there's uncertainty about how to negotiate the arrangement for getting paid uh yeah. i wonder what kind of tips you would give someone who's early on in the process maybe someone who's about to be paid for the first time to make music uh and wants essentially to make sure that they're they're not getting taken advantage of and they're not taking advantage of the person who they're working for and so forth in the beginning, I had to ask a lot of my um, composer friends, like getting a sense of ideas, like how, how in this, how would you charge for a per minute of music? What is realistic for this type of ensemble? Because again, like it can be, you know, each project can be like, oh, I have five minutes of music, but is it five minute fully orchestrated, fully produced yeah. that takes a lot of time uh, to program? Is it that kind yeah. of music or is it a piano sketch that, it's um, a bit, um, takes less time to complete. So it, it, it's also like to have that conversation in the beginning, what, what is the sound that the director is looking for? And realistically with experience, you would start to know, okay, this type of music I can write, I can turn it around pretty quick. So maybe we can adjust the, you know, uh, the budget there. Um, but I think it does help with but the more you do it, the more experience you have, I think that's, you, you start to adjust your budget from there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's also tricky and figuring that out over time from project to project, what, you know, the indie, what's, what's their budget, but also realistically how much work is involved. Um, yeah, probably reaching out to colleagues and chatting to them about it. So probably it's an ongoing process. <laughs> yeah. Or forums. There's a bunch of forums out there that people yeah. share their experience. And I found that really helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely depends on the project for sure. I mean, I've I've kind of run the gamut where sometimes you charge per minute of music, sometimes you're figuring out just like a basic you know, flat amount of time. And and as as Joy and Emer have, have said, you know, it just depends on the nature of the score. I mean, is it like a ukulele score or is it like a full orchestra with choir and a rock band? Like, 
one of those is going to take a significant more amount of time to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, if you're asked even like a 30 second piece of music, if it needs to be a 30 second piece of music that has a definitive arc, like it goes through, you know, changes in dynamics within such a compressed period of time, um, mm -hmm. that requires, that's going to require some detail oriented work. So the fact that it's a short piece of music doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to require a lot of work to get done. Yeah. And then I think, and then it's our job to be upfront about it. You know, you have to communicate mm -hmm. to your director, if that's the case, like, how much time do you think it's going to take? What's the turnaround? Yeah. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to come to a compromise of yeah. how to charge. Yeah, sometimes I think if it's just a short amount of music that, oh, it's it's less minutes, but you know, putting that into a short amount of time takes, if it's, like you said, a specific arc and specific moments, then that can be an equal amount of work than a few scenes that, that don't need as, as much you know, exact attention. So, right. no. uh, we have another question here from Tim Boland. Do you have an agent and have they been proactive and useful in finding you projects to submit and work on? Uh, maybe maybe a, another way to put this is also, um, how do you go about finding good representation? Um, I have an agent. I just got signed on a few months ago. And um, they. what I've learned is it, you still have to be proactive, even if you know you have an agent. Uh, it's a two-way street. Like you, you also you have your own relationships and your own uh, connections. And doesn't mean that when you have an agent, then I can just sit back and let them do the work because it's ultimately it's your career and it's your you take charge of what of finding yourself work. And of course, having an agent is helpful because they help open doors for you. Um, but again, like it even if they set up a meeting for you, you still have to, you, you need to do the work. You need to yeah. show up and um, have your, hone in your skills. Yeah. Yeah, I also have an agent um, since the last few months. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a mixture of continuing yourself to put yourself out there and uh, hoping your agent's putting your name out there too, um, in terms of, projects to submit on, uh, I guess it depends what, what pops up, but you don't want to rely on that either. But um, I guess together, putting your name, both reaching out to different people together is, can, can ultimately help you in the long run, you know, have, have more eggs in a basket. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it, it's good if you can have someone else also reaching out on your behalf. But it, yeah, again, also don't, you know, continue finding out ways to to get your music out there too. Yeah. I do not have an agent, so if you're an agent out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything that I've heard about, like uh, essentially agent sort of comes to you uh, if you're regularly getting work and uh, then they will, I don't know, swoop in and take 10% of your money. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But it would, uh, I, I definitely, uh, everything that I've seen, it's just, it's, it's a, you are still kind of doing the same amount of work uh, in terms of like fostering the relationships and stuff that you have. An agent is helpful, but it's by no means like, I have an agent now and I'm now set. So yeah. I agree. Just keep grinding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everyone, and, and that seems like a universal truth. I mean, for the whole entertainment industry that you have to be, you, comfortable with promoting yourself, uh, no matter what part of it you happen to be in. Um, if you have a distributor for your independent film, for instance, that doesn't mean that you don't need to promote the film. In fact, you're still going to probably need to do the majority of the promotion. Uh, that's yeah. something, certainly that's something that I found <laughs> in, when working on independent films, because I've, I've done some producing work in addition to, to composing. Um, so yeah, that's something that's kind of you know, you know ubiquitous for the industry that uh, that everyone needs to get comfortable with their own promotion. And in terms of people who are on the post production side, that may not always come as naturally. Yeah, uh, and you you are your own business, like you are your yeah. own business person. So um, ultimately, it comes from you. Yeah. Yeah, figuring out how to be a business person at the same time as a composer is that's the challenge. <laughs> Yeah, you have to wear many, many hats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
let's go to another question here. I think this will be the last question since I think we're we're almost out of time, but yeah, we hopefully we can get your input on this. Um, how about placing already composed work with directors? Does that happen for you sometimes? Um, I think that th this is in terms of like reusing a cue that you've already done. That would be the holy grail for me. If I could just reuse all the cues that that you know, <laughs> didn't make it into films and projects that I worked on, if I could use them for something else. But normally I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, I haven't, I haven't either. I have just a huge library of stuff, but most of it is, is so specific to the film. I mean, I guess it could, some of it potentially could be readapted to another project, but for the most part, it's just, you know, it's so specific to that project. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. But I'll come up with something new and something better. Yeah. I just, yeah. I always just use the inspiration of the current project to just keep, writing music um and then if you have extra music maybe it can be used for something else but um yeah I, I find it's it's just focusing on on the project at hand and, and getting mm -hmm. the chance to write more new music <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and seeing it as you know you're, you're always getting more experience and i think building up your skills every time you compose even if the piece doesn't get used i mean the, the, the optimistic yeah. perspective that i try to keep on it yeah, it's good to to expand and, and explore new ideas with every every project. I find yeah. it brings you in new new areas, and that that's that's great about the process. Yeah. Yeah. When I was uh, back in high school, my band director at the time, uh, when I first told him that I was interested in writing music, he said, "Get ready to write a lot of music because if yeah. you want to write." some good songs you are going to have to write a lot of bad ones too and i think anyone who's a writer in any capacity writer of prose poetry or screenplays or whatever just knows that like writing tons of stories you're going to realize that you know every time you sit down you learn and grow and whether that particular uh project is you know ends up being something good and usable that you want to continue to promote and produce or whether it's just something like, okay, well, this was good, but not good enough. And then you set it aside and then you move on to the next thing. I mean, like, it's just a constant, yeah. it's a constant uh, thing. Cool. Well, thank, thank you all so much. Um, we're, we're about at time, but thank you all so much for joining me and, uh, and for your wisdom and, and expertise that you've shared with the audience. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, with that, I guess we'll, we'll bring this to a close. Thanks so much, Thank Chris. You. Thank you so much.